Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 102. Melissa Bachman, dealing with anti-hunters and hunting hard. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. This is Matt Drury with Drury Outdoors, and you're listening to my favorite podcast on iTunes, the Big Buck Registry, Big Buck Podcast. Hi, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. You're listening to my favorite hunting podcast ever, Jay and Dusty on the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. This is Jana Waller from Skullbound TV, and you're listening to my favorite podcast on Stitcher, the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is Jay Scott, your host of the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I am, and I'm having a great day because you're joining me right now as is my good friend from Ohio, Dusty Phillips. What's happening, Dusty? You know, it's uh, it's getting warm, and and warm weather means that cold weather is at the end of warm weather. And you know what that means, right? I sure do, man. In, in fact, it was, you know, you hear some of those, those uh, I think they're, they're crickets of some sort, but you kind of hear them at the end of August when it's that, that it's kind of hot during the day but cool in the afternoon. And you can it kind of reminds you of early deer season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for whatever reason, I heard that sound today, and like, and it just brought back these wonderful memories of deer hunting season, especially early season, early bow season. So I was in the zone today. It actually happened to me when I was walking along the streets, and I heard some crickets in a in a grassy field, and I was like, man. It's coming, man. It's not too far away. No kidding. That's crazy that you say that. My my girls last night, this is how I know it's not far. My girls last night come running in the house. They're like, dad, 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 you know, Paisley and Daisy screaming their heads off. I'm like, what, what? You know, I thought something was bad wrong. Yeah. They're like, dad, the fireflies are in the grass. <laughs> the fireflies, dad. I'm like, yeah, the fireflies. You know what that means? The summer's here. The fireflies are here. Archery season is not too far out, Jay. <laughs> it really is right around the corner, and I, and I love that early season bow hunt when it, it's still technically summer. Um, and I don't know if that's in Ohio as well, but in New Hampshire, it's definitely still summertime when the first bow season kicks off, and it's only lasts for a few days, of course, because then the, the the fall shows up, but. It's always warm and it has this like feel to it. It's like a deadening air with the sounds of certain bugs, and it's it's just got this element to it, and you can feel it, and you it doesn't you can tell it's not far from here. And I love that aspect of deer hunting. Uh, you you got to stop, man. I know. I'm. We're just got to stop. I'm yeah. thinking about the tree stand. I'm yep. going to go into withdrawals, and it's hard. To, you know, when you have an addiction, it's hard to get through these withdrawals. So you got to stop that. I know. Stop. I know all the listeners are saying the same thing. Jay, you guys stop, stop. talking. Jay, stop. stop talking. That's what they're saying right now. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I'm starting to have these withdrawals and 
I may just have to go tomorrow evening and sit in my tree stand just to fulfill it. <laughs> just without a weapon and just sit there. Yeah, it's like, dang. You know, some tree stand therapy needs to be right. in the future. That's funny. Oh, well, we have a, a fantastic guest, Dusty, as as we always do. And, uh, you know, we've had, we've gone on this run recently where we've had a tribute to Lane Benoit. Uh, we have Jim Snow that came on from the Eurohanger. And um, keeping in line with some just great interviews, uh, we've got Melissa Bachman joining us tonight, who is probably one of the best deer hunters in the land and one of the best hunters, period, and ha- happens to be one of the biggest targets for PETA and the anti-hunters of the world. And she's joining us tonight to tell us all about her experiences and take us on a deer hunt back in 2007. You know, and reading up on Melissa, the the belief in herself and, and what she does is phenomenal, Jay. Yeah, she... She is so confident and loves life and is happy all the time because she's doing what she's doing. And that's all you can ask of somebody. And if she doesn't let all that negativity get in her head and she gets bombarded with it daily, right down to like death threats, which is just disgusting. Right. Yeah. It makes you sick to think about that. You know, and she's one of the uh, people that's very fortunate to have the, the attitude where if you tell her she can't do something, she's going to do it. You know, she has the drive behind herself. And, you know, that, that's something that, that people should pick up on. If you want something, you know, no different than, than Jay and myself right here on these mics, talking with you guys and doing the podcast. If you want something bad enough, you push yourself and drive yourself hard enough to go after what you want. And, and Melissa does that. She does. And it's a great life lesson about just how to live life, whether you're a hunter or not. Uh, but that's she's just one of those positive people that you want to hang out with. And that's why we like her. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's quit chatterboxing. Let's get her on the, on the mic here. Let's do it, man. Melissa Bachman, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. We're psyched to have you. Uh, you know, we, now and then, uh, we get these these tips from our marketing friends. Hey, I know somebody that would be great for your show and they've never been wrong. So, uh, this is, we're just psyched to have you to be honest. Well, great. Well, I'm pretty happy too, because I was out filming in the rain all day. This gave me a great excuse to be able to come in. Oh, is that right? Now, where, <laughs> yes, I was. What, where were you filming in the rain? Um, I'm actually home in Minnesota for the week, which is really nice. I'm not home very often. In fact, this week I actually got to go buy groceries, which is kind of odd because I'm never home longer than two or three days. So um, it's really nice. been doing a lot of editing, just trying to catch up on work sure. right now, kind of during the off season. So it works out well. So you went to the grocery store today? Yes, for the first time in a long time. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it doesn't seem like much, but when you're not home very often, uh the little things make a difference. All right, so th- this is an interesting topic then. So if you're not home much and you, and you have a chance <laughs> to go to the grocery store, what did you buy? Well, I uh, most of the meat is already in my freezer, so I just thought yeah, things up. I assume I that. I did assume that. I normal food, um, some normal things that I can mix with it. Um, I bought a wide variety, and I need uh, a lot more Diet Mountain Dew in the house. That's the one thing. If that gets low, that's a problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're, you're, you're a Diet Mountain Dew gal. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Okay. In fact, when I'm out hunting all day, um, that's the one thing that you will always find in my backpack. I'll be out hunting, someone says, gee, that's pretty heavy. 
Well, yeah, there's a few <laughs> Diet Mountain Dews, maybe a couple Red Bulls, but if you got to be out there all day, it's not going to do me any good to be sleeping. So That's funny. You know who else drinks Mountain Dew when he's hunting? Is uh, that? Lanny Benoit? Do you know who? Really? La- you know Lanny? No, I do not. Lanny is is part of the uh, famous Benoit brothers, the the group out uh-huh. of Vermont that would hunt the Northwoods, the famous trackers from the Northwoods of Canada and 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 Maine, the big deer hunters, and pretty much any DVD that you picked up of the Benoit brothers when they were doing those will show Lanny eating some salami <laughs> and drinking a, a Mountain Dew. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Breakfast of Champions right there. Maybe we're on to something here. Breakfast of Champions. Maybe. Yeah, you had Pop-Tarts in and you are all set. My goodness. I hope you're burning off a lot of calories when you're out there hiking through the woods. Well, that's one of the good things is uh, the old elk hunting and all that, that's fine. All of a sudden, when whitetail season comes, then things can be a little different. Sitting in a tree, dark to dark. For some reason, you just don't seem to burn the same amount of calories. That's right. That is true. <laughs> Sitting around does not burn calories. So you're you're no, you're no. in Minnesota, your home for a little mm-hmm. while. Um, and have you? Did you grow up in Minnesota? Is that where you call home your whole life? Yes, uh, I grew up in Central Minnesota, probably about two hours from where I live now. Now I'm a little bit closer to the metro area, just so I can get to the airport easier. Um, but I grew up in just a tiny little small town of a couple thousand people, and um, we actually would, were able to hunt right outside of our back door my whole life growing up. So it was really nice. If you got cold, if you didn't want to be out anymore, you can just walk home and, and you're on your own. So it worked out really, really well. That's cool. So what was life like growing up in, in Minnesota? Was, was it a small community and that kind of thing? Yeah, it was a very small town. I graduated with probably 115 people. I had a younger brother and I, and my parents would bring us hunting all the time. On the, uh, on the weekends, that's what we did. My mom would take one of us. My dad would take the other. They'd bring us bow hunting and literally have us just sit on the platform of their stand, bring some twine. We'd tie it around our stomachs, get tied right to the tree, and we're told to sit still. And uh, that's what we did on the weekends. We would also go out duck hunting and we just really, really enjoyed it. We weren't old enough to hunt. Um, in Minnesota, you had to be 12 years old. I just waited and waited until the time I would turn 12 so I could finally go deer hunting. In fact, the night before, I'm not sure I slept a, a wink all night because I was so excited to go out deer hunting and had all these little maps drawn of our property. And I think my parents were probably wondering, what have we done to this girl? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now I'm going to ask a little question real quick, Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Who's the better hunter, your mom or your dad? Um, they're both very good hunters, and that is the politically correct answer to always get. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. <laughs> They've both taken a lot of really nice bucks over the years. So it was nice having both of them there because I think if it had it been just my dad or, you know, then it would always been a competition as to who could go out, my brother or myself. And this way they both were able to take us one-on-one. And I think that made a big difference. And the fact that they never left us home was huge, too. Yeah, absolutely. That is cool. I can't help but notice that you actually have a link on your website that says childhood. And it's not yes. something I usually see on a um, somebody that's uh, on TV or, or talking. They usually don't forecast it that prominently. So, uh-huh. so the, the, your childhood must have been quite a an experience and uh yeah and i think it made i mean really what i am now i mean had i not been out there doing all that i mean we got 50 cents a pocket gopher foot so my brother and i we'd have trapping contests we were out checking traps who could get to them first 
so we can get our 50 cents for their feet and save all the trees on our property. So I think little things like that were huge. And even as I got older, my parents actually signed a work permit my senior year so I could bow hunt every morning for deer. And I got to go. I didn't have to be at school until 10 o'clock in the morning um, because I could go out bow hunting. If I got a deer, it had to be back hanging in the garage, and I had to be at school by noon. So I think living in a small community like that obviously made a huge impact on on what I love and, and the person I am now. That's awesome. So was this one of those communities where they, they would let, uh, you shut down school or actually cancel school for a week or a couple days just so everybody could go deer hunting? Well, they didn't shut down school, but in Minnesota, Monday and Tuesday of the second gun season, that's when I would always hunt, and yeah. that was two days of school, Miss. So as long as I was on the Aon roll, my parents would write a note saying, Melissa's at home deer hunting. I don't know. There were no questions ever asked. That's awesome. It was no big deal. Um, in fact, I even got to go back for basketball games in the evening. Um, but I believe after I graduated, they shut that down. If you weren't in school during the day, you didn't get to be in sports. <laughs> but, uh, good, um, but, yeah, it was really nice to be in a community like that. The good old days, huh? Yes, yeah. yes. Melissa, how old are you now? I am 30 years old. I'll be 31 in July. Okay, so it hasn't been too long since you were in, in high school. Um, and and those are the good old days when you can get away with that kind of stuff, and that's that's really cool. So you're, Yeah, I liked it. And even my friends, I mean, we would go out goose hunting in the morning before school started and we would try to you know make sure we're back in school in fact one year we got so many geese and i was like melissa what are we going to do with all these geese that you guys have in the freezer and i had confirmation that year and i said well perfect we'll serve it to everyone who's coming over she didn't think that was the best idea for a main course but i'm pretty sure that's the route we went (laughs) that's so cool so your parents are big influencers in your outdoor lifestyle that you lead today no question right absolutely yes yes what did they teach you um, about hunting and life? Were there certain lessons learned along the way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I grew up in Painesville, we didn't have that big a deer. Um, I shot one buck that I thought was the biggest buck I was ever going to take my entire life. Looking back on it, it was probably 105, 110-inch deer. It did not matter. I thought that that was just the top of the world, but it was never really about how big the bucks were. Of course, we were all going after them, but every year, We would take all our deer, fill the freezer, and that's what was important. But what I really learned is probably my second or third year, I went out, I had hunted, and I didn't get one. And I remember being so upset on the last day. I was almost crying, and we saw some on the horizon, and it was only, you know, a minute or two minutes after the shooting time. My dad said, yep, sorry, you just don't get one this year. And I was so upset, but I think it was a really good learning experience just to know, yeah, there, there'll be a few setbacks. It's not the end of the world, but I think it goes way beyond hunting. I mean, it teaches you to just let things go, and it teaches you to overcome things. Because one of the best things that I've learned about hunting is just learning to adapt. Um, everywhere I go is a little bit different, and you can't use the same method every single time. It doesn't necessarily work, and I think that goes all the way through life, not just with hunting, too. Gotcha. It, uh, just looking at some of the pictures, there was no question that your mom and dad were both heavy influencers in your life, and it looked like they, they took you hunting all the time and definitely uh, set home a a meaningful idea that hunting is good is basically what it came down to and that it yes. should be part of your life. Yes. 
the bear nice. And it was more than just even the hunting. I mean, we would go hunting together as a family. It was about the family time. It was about all of us enjoying something together. But it was also about the fact that we would take that wild game. My parents would teach us how to help package it. We'd put it in the freezer, and then they taught us how to cook it. So it was kind of a full circle thing, not only the experience of being in the outdoors, but being together and then preparing it for a Sunday meal. So I think it was kind of a all the way around thing that hmm. they taught us. More, almost became like a family tradition is what it sounds like. Yes. That's very cool. Yes. Um, now, you said that you're, you're home for just a little while, and mm-hmm. that means that you're not home a lot, and you're probably on the road filming, hunting, wherever you can go. What drives you so much to get out and hunt? I think a lot of it started with it was it really hunting has always been my passion. Since I was little, my goal was to find a way to hunt for a living. That's what I wanted. Now, as I went to college, I got a double major in television and Spanish, and I had a lot of professors telling me, you know what, that's not the way you're going to make a living. And, of course, the competition is very, very hard. And I went, I applied, I think, at 75 locations trying to find a job just to get in the outdoor industry. And I got 75 no's. Nobody would hire me. So I started as an intern working completely for free, driving 150 miles back and forth to where I live from college to the North American Hunting Club. And finally, after four months, they hired me as a full-time producer. And I started just kind of filming other people's hunts. And, And on the time that I would have, if I worked 30 days straight, for example, I'd get five off. I'd go hunt myself, film it, and then try to give it back to them for free as an edited show just to get some exposure. Hmm. So I think a lot of what drives me was just that that sincere, that true passion to get what I wanted. And having a lot of people tell you it's not going to work and and having a lot of setbacks along the way. But once you kind of get the ball rolling, it's really, really helpful. And, And you feel great because I love what I do. And it's definitely been a challenge, but... I think that's what keeps driving you is, as you know, there's a million people who would love to have that spot. And if you quit working hard one day, you may lose it. Gotcha. That's an interesting story. So you, you kind of sacrifice a little bit to, to, to get out there and, and, uh, get you to where you wanted to go. And you knew that it wasn't going to be handed over to you by any means. And that you, you just, you just kept playing it no matter what it took. Uh, yes. even if you had to work for nothing, you still, yes. You did and that, that was the thing is, A lot of people sometimes think that you're just going to be handed this job in front of the camera. I didn't even want that. I just wanted a place in in the company, and I couldn't even get that. I mean, every single person said, no, you're too young. You don't have any experience. You're coming out of college. So finally, I just looked at all the options, picked the one I wanted the most, and, and went back to them. And the one thing I learned is people don't turn down free work. And not only to get the position, but, I mean, it took a lot of dedication. I was actually a waitress at night trying to get enough money to pay for my gas to drive back and forth because it was 150 miles a day. Um, so it was it was really an uphill battle. And I think if you didn't have that drive, you'd have never got to that point. Because, sure, some people are handed a nice, easy plate. That wasn't something I was given. And, and honestly, I didn't want to sit around and wait for someone to give me the opportunity I really was was uh, trying to make it for myself. That's a really, really, really good life message. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I wish more people would think like that. I think we'd have a stronger country somehow if, if everybody thought the way you thought. So that's, that's, 
That's really cool. I'm going to point out something right there, Jay. When you said that you work for free, how huge of a role does that play in, in somebody's success, Melissa? I think it's huge. And not only on the just the working for free, but what I always believed is I knew where I wanted to be. I had a goal. I wanted to have a TV show. I wanted to hunt for a living. And really the only reason I wanted a TV show is to pay for the hunting part of it. But I think what it makes is it really brings you down to earth. I mean, it makes you really appreciate every single little step of the way. Um, I offered if they needed things cleaned. I remember logging tapes and putting numbers in order of tapes. There was nothing that I felt could possibly be below me. And I think that's something really important because you don't get to just walk in and, and think, oh, that job is beneath me. No, I can do every job. I've done all those jobs. And I think it really makes you appreciate it. Plus, when you make it, you realize how precious it is and you'll work really hard to maintain it. And I think that's something that's really important. Right. Absolutely. Those are all great tips. Totally agree with that. Uh, you said you had a, a, a double major in college. One was in yes. television and one was in Spanish. Yes. And the television one, definitely, I can see you're using that now. And do you think that, mm-hmm. that there was any benefit to having a college education in television? Um, yes, in television, absolutely. I mean, the production, I run my own production company. Yep. Um, and the only way I made it to where I'm at now is because I could do that production work and I didn't have to hire it out. So the television part of it was huge. Gotcha. And how about the Spanish? Does that come into play at any time as you're traveling the world? um, Yes, of course, Spanish is always helpful and there was nothing. But the thing is, I didn't go to college planning to have a double major in Spanish. When I went to St. Cloud State University, I was in the honors program. And part of the deal was you had to take, I think it was one year of Spanish. I took my year of Spanish. Most of school was pretty easy for me. The professor said, you know what? You might want to just go ahead and hang the Spanish thing up. It's not your thing. Well, that was probably the wrong thing to say to me (laughs) because Uh I said, you're not going to tell me that I can't do this Spanish. Of course I could do it. He's like, it's just not natural for you. You know, maybe pick something else. I said, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to figure out how to get a double major in Spanish. And he kind of laughed at me. And um, I went ahead. I ended up moving to Costa Rica. I lived in Costa Rica for almost a year, um, moved right in with a family, knew no one there um, that could only speak Spanish. And I thought, if I need to learn it, this is the best way. Lived there, came back, did more schooling. And then I got my double major by moving to Spain and going to the University of Barcelona for a few months there and finishing finishing it up. And I actually turned in that final paper to that same professor. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? You showed me. So that was kind of the reason behind it. But yes, it's been it's been very helpful as well. That's cool. So how many people have told you that you can't do something? Uh, there are so many people that constantly tell you you can't, all the way up until now. I mean, people think it's easy. There's always people telling you you can't do something. And really, it just comes down to you not believing that and believing in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself along the way, and you start listening to that, well, you'll just fold quickly. I mean, if I'd have stopped by the first hundred people who told me that's not going to happen, I'd have quit a long time ago. Right. Gotcha. Well, one of the things that has come up, and we had a little chat about this in the in the pre, pre-show chat, is you are not related to Michelle Bachman at all. No, I am not related to Michelle Bachman. She She's... actually has two N's in her last name, and I have one. Right. She's not your mom. She's... She's not your cousin, your sister, or anything like that. <laughs> nope. She's not even no, a distant relative. No, I have people email me telling me. I actually had someone say, you know what? The only reason you have an outdoor show is because you come from a bunch of money, and your mom is running for president. 
<laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, well, neither of those are true. Um, right. But thank you for noticing the misspelling there. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's a, that, that is a funny story. So, okay, so we got that. That air is clear. <laughs> you are yes, not yes. in any way related to Michelle Bachman. Not that that would have been a bad no. thing, but you're not. No. Gotcha. And I bet she wishes she didn't have the same name as me either at times because I think she might have caught a little heat along the way with people thinking she was my mom. So right. I always wonder who gets more emails, myself or her. Right. And I don't know. I've never talked to her, so I don't know that. Now, you were in the, the spotlight of one of the most controversial photos um that we've seen really in the hunting industry that that i can think of uh with the the lion kill Mm -hmm. where do you think that came from i mean it's it's clear that it's an anti-hunter movement type thing but i mean we we've we've all got pictures with deer and turkey and elk and antelope and but for some reason because you shot a lion everybody jumped all over it what why was that I think what happened is it actually started almost a year prior to that. I had been picked to do a show for National Geographic called Alaska's Ultimate Survivor. And what it was is there was going to be, I believe there was nine of us, that were going to go up and literally live off the land um, in Alaska, be dropped off, and you're just kind of going from point to point. It's not like a voted-off type show, nothing like that. It's just real survivors living. In fact, the two people that I was going to be with was Dallas Seavey, who had won the Iditarod, who's won the Iditarod several times since, and his brother. So I got up there, we were doing all this, and I had posted online that I was going to be gone for the next eight weeks doing this, and a group of anti-hunters got a hold of it from another country and literally just blew it up. It went all the way across the U.S., but to the point of just petitions and, and things like that, and they actually petitioned National Geographic to remove me from the show. Well, National Geographic didn't know what to do. They picked me because I was a hunter, because someone had to actually kill some animals because they didn't give us any food, and I had a bow, and that was my job. (laughs) Well, when they did that, they didn't know what to do, so they removed me. So this big movement of people saw it as this huge win. We got Melissa kicked off the show. Now, frankly, it wasn't the end of the world. I got to come home. I got to continue my hunting season. Not a big deal. But I think what it did is really started the momentum going that they realized they could make a difference in my life or whoever else's life. So they were always kind of nipping at my heels. But when I came back from Africa, I had posted the photo of the lion. Didn't really think that, I thought maybe I'd get a few messages, but it was Ricky Gervais, who's one of the writers with Steve Carell from The Office. When they got a hold of it, that's where it really just went viral. In fact, I remember sitting in South Dakota deer hunting And I looked and I said, Steve Carell just started following me on Twitter. I said, do you think he's a hunter? And my cameraman and I were looking and we Google him quick. And all of a sudden my phone is just going nuts. And then it all began. And it's like, oh, what has happened? But I really believe a lot of that came stemmed all the way back from the the very first instance. And they realized they, they could gain some momentum. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I've kind of picked up on the Ricky Gervais being an anti-hunter recently, and um, I didn't know about Steve Carell, and I was so disappointed because I thought they were so funny uh, as comedians. And um, mm-hmm. but but now uh, they've they've kind of hit a nerve with me. So yeah, I, and the thing is, is Ricky Gervais is not a vegan. He's not a vegetarian. He believes in only eating free-range animals, and. I don't understand how someone cannot understand that 
hunting, you are eating the most free-range animal out there. Right. Um, there's this huge organic food movement right now, and I think that's really helping us as a hunting community. But you have someone like Ricky Gervais, who PETA loves and all these people love, yet he eats hamburgers, steaks, the whole thing. And uh, nobody blinks an eye. Yeah, I, I just I don't get that aspect of it. I don't understand. It's such a hypocritical position. And free-range organic meat is that you actually hunt and kill <laughs> is the ultimate in 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 meat because right you you the ultimate in organic. It is, and the, to think, I mean, the respect that you have for that animal is tenfold what anybody who doesn't do that. There's a conclusion, the anti-hunters. They're like uh, mad and upset because they're always hungry. Right. <laughs> they're hangry. Could be. Right. <laughs> so I, I guess I never understood that aspect. Like if, you've, if you eat meat and you are an organic eat or meat eater, then wouldn't you want to go to the other extreme as well to oh. harvest and and butcher and cure your own meats for consumption to really get the full experience? You would sure think so. But if you look at at the United States compared to Europe, for example, when I lived in Spain, you'd go to the market and you'd get a whole chicken, sometimes live, but sometimes still with all the feathers on it. But here we get a chicken breast wrapped in cellophane. Um, It almost has gotten to the point where we're so afraid to see where it really came from that people are just happy to see that. In fact, I had a whole group of, I think there were third graders, who wrote to me saying what an awful person I was and all this after the line. And I wanted to write back to those kids and say, you know, those chicken nuggets, they didn't start out as chicken nuggets. You know, there's just this huge disconnect there. And I think we're just getting further and further away from it. And like I said, you can see that from, you know, nicely wrapped hamburger. People don't know or care where it actually comes from. Although, Melissa, chicken nuggets might not actually start out as chicken at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is true. Um, Same with hot dogs. But, you know, it was something somewhere along the line. (laughs) They're probably one chemical bond away from styrofoam, actually. (laughs) That may be true. Get right down to it. Why we're on the anti-hunters, I'm going to throw in a question here. What do you have to say to the anti-hunters of the world? Um, really, I don't have anything. I mean, t- to me, I really believe and I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to harass and I'm not going to prod or try to get anyone else's attention. I am not going to affect their lives. And I really wish they would kind of feel the same way. You know, if I'm not doing anything, I'm not posting on their pages. If they don't like it, simply look the other way and move on with your life. Um, that would be my biggest thing is, you know, what I'm doing is I respect the animals. I believe in eating organic food. I believe in the close family bond and everything that comes with it. And I believe in conservation. And because of that, what I'm doing is 100% right. You will never change your, change my mind. And I just wish they would continue on with their lives and I'll continue on with mine. I couldn't agree with that statement any better. It, I mean, it, you just, it seems like a completely harmless position. So yet they feel this need to attack the hunting community. And for I guess you're in a sense have become at the the front of that. You're kind of the face of the hunting community for them. I'm not not sure that's you know mm-hmm. for, for us necessarily. Uh, you're one of us, uh, but to them you're you're the target. I'm not quite sure how you became that target um, as as much as you have. Uh, but I think the one thing maybe is just because that I really am threatening everything they stand for. If you look at PETA's campaigns, you look at a lot of the anti-hunting campaigns 
what they've tried to do is use women from Hollywood and say that these are the good people. These are the people's side you want to be on. These hunters are awful men. They're about an inch from dragging their knuckles on the ground. It's just a terrible thing. Well, now I'm a woman getting other women involved and getting families involved in showing that you can do all this. And I think it really is a thing that they're scared. They don't know how to respond. So they respond with violence and, and terrible names and threats. And, and that shows that they don't really have any facts on their side. And I think it's a good place for us to be. Right. Now, the the range of the anti-hunter is 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 quite a spectrum. It goes from the, the kind of like the passive aggressive anti-hunter up to the extremist or extremist violent anti-hunter. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And it goes, um, a lot of people are behind these computer screens and they're saying things that they may not say in person. True. However, there's some that are happy to come up and speak their mind in person as well. What I've found in the past is usually those who speak their mind are very easily deterred and they they very sheepishly walk away quickly when they see your personality, and I'm not going to get upset, and I'm not going to yell at them. You just state the facts and move on. And I think that's probably one of the most powerful ways to really get your point across with them. Mm. But some of them are just completely out of this world. If you read some of the things that have been said, you just wonder how that even, wh- how they could wake up in the morning, think those things, write them, and then send them to someone else. It's right. hard to believe. Right, and, and that goes down to, like, death threats, right? I mean... Oh, yeah. all the lots and all lots the time. Yes. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah. They drive me insane because I mean, if if it wasn't such a, a crazy community, you, you'd take mm-hmm. them seriously. But because the, they are who they are, we're, we'd almost take it with a grain of salt. I don't know if that's the right position, and I don't know if mm-hmm. we should consider them the enemy. Um, but mm-hmm. it certainly is. They are threats of sorts. Um, but I'm not sure how powerful they are. I don't know if they have teeth that can bite and stop our way of life. Um, but certainly they are or could be a dangerous situation for us as hunters, not only as lifestyle, but as like physical harm. And how do you, how do we treat, how do we engage with these people? I think the best solution is literally to not engage at all. Um, everything I've tried or seen um, does not work. Um, the facts are on our side. If they're truly interested to have a conversation, great. But the ones that come with the death threats, the vile comments, the awful things, the best thing to do is ignore them because it's like a little kid throwing a temper tantrum. If you just ignore them, they'll quit. And, you know, they may not quit today, but it's the ones, you know, of course there's certain ones that need to be taken more seriously. I mean, people have come to my home. People have sent things to my house, um, all sorts of of things that have escalated to the next level that, yes, now you really need to take that seriously. But I don't even read them anymore. I don't get upset about them. I just ban them, I delete them, and I move on from them. And I think it seems that that's the best way to handle it. I think you're right. I agree with you. And it's just you should never let it affect, don't care about what others think about what you're doing, basically, is what it comes Mm -hmm. down to. Uh, You're a good person. Uh, You believe in family. You believe in the United States and that all that stuff that you do hunting wise is good and there's no harm in it and there never should be. So I'm. And I wake up happy. Um, They clearly wake up quite bitter and I can't imagine having that much pinned up aggression and bitterness. I mean, sometimes I want to tell them you need to find a job. 
a hobby and some friends and then go ahead and leave <laughs> right. me alone because right. I think those things might be missing somewhere along the line. There, yeah, there is a large disconnect with the real world there in many ways. Um, does the does the threatening and, and the messages settle down over time or is it something that just continuation? It has definitely settled down from what it started. Um, I think at the for a while there, I mean, there were... 35,000 death threats that poured in within just that, those first few weeks. Wow. And now it's, it's, a, it's a daily occurrence. It's fine. Um, but it's not to the level it was. All of a sudden, there'll be a whole bunch of them coming, and I'll see someone tweeted something out using my picture again or a throwback for the, my picture. You wouldn't believe the things that'll rile them back up. But it hasn't been to the extent that it originally was. But I really tried to just kind of let it be. I did not try to get out in the media and, and push this. I just wanted it to go away so I could move on because I'm not interested in being on the mainstream media. I'm interested in hunting and, and living my lifestyle. So. Yep. All right, absolutely. Yeah, this is a question I had, you know, with somebody in the situation that you've been in there. Okay. Kendall Jones uh, is somebody that has also experienced something similar to what you've experienced. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what would you, what would you say to Kendall? Uh, she's, she's a little bit, younger than you are um and she sounds like she got beat up like you did what would you say to her or what have you said to her to yeah i mean it's one of those things where everyone's going to take it differently the good news is is i kind of had to be the first one right. and people really started backing it you've got a lot of organizations you've got a lot of people supporting you and the best thing that i told her or anybody is that you can't let it get to you and there are so many people out there who support you who may not be as vocal as the people who don't support you. But that doesn't mean you don't have just as strong a support. It just means all of us are out enjoying the outdoors, enjoying our families. We're not sitting on a computer. So you really have to keep that in mind and stay strong. And and if you believe in what you do, you'll be just fine. Right. Good message. I like that. Um, it, I, I don't want to talk about that particular aspect anymore. If you don't mind, I'd like to move on, if that's cool. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the things that we, we love to do on the big buck registry is to tell deer stories. And mm-hmm. I'm, I have a feeling you have uh, a handful of great deer stories to tell. And I was wondering if you might take us on a little journey right now, uh, and describe perhaps one of your most memorable or greatest deer hunts that you can think of. Well, probably one of my most memorable deer hunts ever just so happens to also be my biggest deer, but it just, it worked out that way, but it really was a memorable experience. Cool. When I first started hunting, um, I was just a producer and I would only hunt on the time that I had off. Okay. So where I would go is I would drive down to Illinois. Um, every time I had two, three days, that's where I was headed so I could get a little bit of hunting. Gotcha. What, what year is this hunt- we talking about? We're, I believe it was in 2007. 2007. All right. So we're going back in time to mm-hmm. 2007. Okay. Yep. Going back in time to 2007. I had hunted almost, four, I think, 46 days that year. So I had really been putting in my time. I would work and try to get there. And finally, it was getting towards late season. I hadn't had any luck. I actually had missed a nice buck on opening day. And I was starting to feel like, you know what, maybe this just wasn't going to work out for me. And it was a cold day. But the airlines actually ran over my bow with a luggage cart. They lost most of my clothes. And I decided I'm going to fix up my bow and I'm going out anyway that afternoon. I went out, sat over a soybean field, 
And the entire field was just full of deer. And all of a sudden, I saw an absolute monster out there, probably 150 yards. And it just looked like a giant, one of the biggest bucks I had ever seen in my life. And I'm sitting up in the tree stand 150 yards away from it. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. So I start going through as to how I could get down out of the stand and try to stalk him. Well, that wasn't going to happen. There were probably, by that point in time, 80, 90 deer in the field. There's no way we're going to get in close enough. So as I'm waiting, kind of getting disgusted, all of a sudden a pack of coyotes came. And pushed the deer right to me. Oh, wow. And I couldn't even believe it. And they pushed them once. They are probably still 80 yards. They pushed them again and were actually circling behind me. And I just started about panicking. I couldn't even believe it was happening. And finally, I had a shot. It was a longer shot than I really wanted, 52 yards. And I took the shot, got my buck, and it ended up scoring 202 inches. So <laughs> it was a pretty awesome deal. Great to make That's a 52-yard shot. But, yeah, coyotes, they did uh, they did some great things that day. <laughs> nice to have some help from Mother Nature. That's very cool. So you had your bow, and the, the, the buck just kind of started coming your way, and, and you were ready. Yes. Um, I watched him, he came, got closer, and then all of a sudden they pushed him one more time, and I had that 52-yard shot, and I didn't think they were going to come any closer because that pack of coyotes was actually coming behind me, and we're going to push him away one more time. So I had to make the shot and made it happen, and it was really crazy because uh, Mike Pavlik, the outfitter that I was hunting with at Golden Triangle, he filmed it for me, and I went back to the office. I still i had never been on camera before. And I said, hey, guys, I got some pretty cool video this weekend. They're like, oh, yeah, what'd you get? I said, I shot a pretty big buck. Oh, how big? I said, uh, 202 inches. And they said, what? And I said, and a pack of coyotes chased them to me, and I got it all on tape. I said, you want to run it for free for a show? And that was one of my first shows I ever got to run on TV. So oh, that's pretty A little neat. luck and a lot of hard work went a long way there. That's awesome. So uh, one of the things that Dusty likes to do is to kind of run through your gear check. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you can remember back to what you were using back then, but could you, could Dusty, could you run Melissa through the, the whole gear check and find out what she was using to be successful that day? Yeah, absolutely. Melissa, can we, can we tell us what year this was? So that was in 2007, and I may have a little difficulty remembering everything I was using at that time, but I can tell you what a lot of the stuff that I use now is for sure. Right, absolutely. You know, we don't want to interfere on anything that you're sponsored by now or what you use now. No, they're pretty much the same. It's just a matter of what I can really remember. <laughs> right, absolutely. At, at that time, in 2007, did you did you use any kind of cover scent or, or scent sprays? Yep, I was spraying down um, with just the generic Wildlife Research Center stuff at that time. And we were, I also had been using some of the cover scent um we had used the golden estrus. Even though it was a little bit later in the season, um, I still like to use that at times, and we were using that at that time as well. Right, absolutely. What kind of camouflage was you wearing in 2007? I was wearing, I think it was a mixture of all sorts of stuff, to be honest, um, because the airlines had lost a lot of my gear. But I think I had a real tree jacket on and uh, some sort of a, a hat as well. And, and I know that the boots that I was actually wearing that day were a pair of high-heeled um, wedge boots because the airlines lost my regular boots. So I wore the high-heeled ones out to the stand. I did not put that part in the show, but that is a true story. <laughs> That's perfect. That, that, That's that so great good. about like a throwback hunt. Like There's all kinds yeah. of stuff that, that you forget about. or you know, you, you, that, that might not have been something you told everybody. So we try to No, think. no, not necessarily. People are like, you can't say that. No one would take you seriously. 
Now it's like, you know what? My feet were freezing, but I did it anyway. And so <laughs> what that I had those on? It still worked. That's right, awesome. absolutely. Uh, what, what kind of bow were you shooting back then? Um, back then I was shooting a Matthews DXT. A DXT, gotcha. Any particular Either era? that or a Switchback XT. I'm not sure which one it was. It was my very first one I ever had. I think it was, I was shooting a Matthews Switchback. It was my very first Matthews bow I'd ever got. Gotcha. And uh, what, what kind of arrows were you shooting back then? I was shooting Easton Full Metal Jackets. So I'm assuming that's aluminum. Yeah, well, they're, um, they're a mixture. And the thing that you have to be careful when I shot them is I wasn't always that great with my gear. And sometimes I would actually bend them, so you had to be careful. Um, but I really liked them because they gave me a lot more penetration. They were heavier than a lot of the other arrows I had been using. And I felt that that's what had given me that extra distance. So I had enough power to get to, you know, to blow through a deer at that point in time. Absolutely. Uh, what, what particular broadheads was you tipping your arrows with? Um, I actually had a mixed bag in there back then. I wasn't sure what to use. Uh, I had a rage. And I also had a couple of Thunderheads in there at the time, but I did shoot it with a Rage. You can't go wrong with a Thunderhead. <laughs> I didn't. I was just, that's what my parents always shot, and I was shooting Rage, and I'd keep both of them in there. I wasn't really sure why, but that's what I did yeah. at the time. So, um, But I did shoot the deer with a Rage. <laughs> right. Do you think it's safe to say that 90% of, of new hunters and, and older hunters that are still hunting today started with a Thunderhead? Probably, and I honestly think a lot of it comes down to what your parents used. You know, you just used what you were told to, was the best at that point in time. I wasn't going to question it, and but my mom and dad shot, so that's what I had started with. Right, absolutely, no doubt about it. Uh, what, what was you in a what, what particular tree stand? Was it like a hang on, a climber, or a ladder stand? Tell us a little bit about your setup. It was just a it was a hang on. We had two of them set there, uh, myself, and then Mike was sitting above me, and we were actually in kind of a, a oak tree that still had enough cover on it. And it was just a small little shelter belt that was on the side of the soybean. And it was the perfect location for a stand, and it gave us just enough cover so you could be up there with all those deer on the soybeans. We knew we had to have something with enough cover so we wouldn't get busted, and we had the perfect setup. Right, absolutely. I got another question, and Jay's going to say, yep, this is Dusty. <laughs> uh, do you name your bucks? No, I do not name my bucks. Really? No, I do not. I, I'll try to score them and maybe uh, go back and say, you know, this buck or what, but I, I do not ever name my bucks. No, I do not. No, we couldn't. Yeah, that's something no. that, uh, <laughs> that that I always like to ask. I don't know why. I'm, Jay, back me up on this, but naming bucks is like my forte. Dusty loves to yeah, do that. It's his thing. <laughs> Don't mind him. It's just his thing. Yeah, just my thing. I, I like the name. Well, all maybe bucks. this year I'll have to send you pictures, and you can come up with great names. He loves You're that. Good at it. There you go. I, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm already thinking about this 200 inch deer that he shot. We're gonna call it the Yoder buck because the Yoders pushed it right to you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That could work. Yeah, you guys definitely need to exchange cell cell numbers after because you just. <laughs> Uh, I got to name this buck. I'll send it to the the, the deer namer, Dusty. Oh, it's great! It's phenomenal. <laughs> the official deer namer. We got it. Yeah, that's uh, that's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. And that's just you know that's what we live for these deer stories. That's so cool. Um, so Melissa, what would you tell no where you are today in your career and knowing what you know about life and hunting and all that? What would you tell the the ten year old Melissa Bachman. I think one of the things I would probably say is that to really pace yourself. Um, one of the things is I've been very, very driven and, and you have to be to be successful, but I always 
and pushing harder to make it happen faster. And some things just take time. Um, I thought that when I started as an intern, I thought within three years I'd have a show and do all this. It's more like, you know, eight, nine years. And I think sometimes you just, you can't get disappointed. Not that I ever quit, but there were definitely a lot of times where you're just so disappointed. You don't think it's going to work out. And you just really need to keep your hold your head high, and, and it'll all work out in the end. Just keep working hard. And, and I think that's probably the one thing I would say just to keep in mind and, and tell the 10-year-old Melissa so, so that way you could remember that. Gotcha. It, it's always interesting to look back at, like, what would I tell myself when I was 10 years old? Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Um, how often do you lose luggage when you're traveling? I've been pretty good, um, but I have lost a lot of luggage over the years. I went all the way to Newfoundland once. I was four hours in, and there I had no luggage. I stopped at a convenience store to get more socks because I said, you know what? As long as I can get some more socks, I can figure everything else out. And it, it can be difficult. And even that, you know, it just happens sometimes. I've had hunts where my luggage never did make it. And you just learn to improvise. You make it work with what you have. You borrow, you use things, and you just get by. And, and the biggest thing is just trying to stay comfortable. You may not always look good, but you'll be comfortable. That's funny. So you're, you're a world traveler. You've been hunting all over the world, correct? Yes, I have. Yeah. So you're used to flying and dealing with the airlines mm-hmm. mostly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's funny. If you had one hunting book, your favorite hunting book of all time, what would that be? I would say if I had to pick one favorite hunting book, it would probably be Tom Miranda's The Adventure Bow Hunter um, okay. on his quest for the Super Slam. Um, just from being a bow hunter, I think that's one of the coolest things to, just like I've done, you know, set a goal to achieve it, to do it, to get it all on video and, and all the stories that go along with that. I think that's just really, really cool. And, and he's someone that I really admire and has worked extremely hard and worked his way out, all the way up from being a trapper as well. So. That's probably one of my favorite hunting books out there. Gotcha. What goals do you have for the future? One of the goals I probably have now is just to continue doing what I'm doing, but find new ways to get people involved. Um, I'm trying to come up with a way for my shows for 2016 where I can have parents or families send in video of their kids and I'll feature just a 30, 45 second hunt of some kid along the way. Because what I really want to do is be able to impact others and, you know, I look at little things that people had done for me when I was a kid, and it really makes a huge impact all the way through. And I think sometimes if I can do that for some little girl, or it might really change everything the way they think and, and how much they love the outdoors. So I'm always trying to come up with new ways to do that as well. Gotcha. Very nice. All right, so we all go into the woods, and we all have our favorite things we need to bring with us, our favorite hunting mm-hmm. items. Aside from your firearm or weapon, what's that one thing that you got to have with you so you feel comfortable and feel like that that's going to happen for you today? What's that one thing you can't leave in the truck? The one thing I can't leave in the truck, probably it's a combination, I guess, of two things, but they equal the same, is I need to make sure that I'm going to be comfortable. So I want to always be warm. I don't always take all the, the layers of clothes that maybe you should because I don't want to be so bulked down. So what I started doing is I take these Thermacare wraps. I just buy them at Walmart. They're actually meant for people that have like back arthritis or problems. Hmm. There's no scent to them. They last like 12 hours. You get them in the pharmacy section and you put them on your kidneys. And the reason I have to have one of those in my backpack all the time 
is because if I get cold, I can put one of those on and you will be just fine. You can make it all day. I don't care if it's 30 below, whatever it is. If you dress somewhat according to the weather and it gets even colder, you can put that on your kidneys. And because your kidneys stay warm, it keeps your blood from your whole body warm. And it really, really makes a big difference. The other thing, I just like having a neck gaiter for the same reason. It's a small item. I get super cold. The combination of those two things, you'll be fine in almost any situation and able to hunt all day. That's pretty cool. I haven't. That's the first time I've ever heard that before. How about I've, that, I've rolled to them like three times just trying to get them so they could. I'd probably buy who knows how many cases of them a year. But they are just amazing. They come in a pack of two. There's actually a neck one. And then one for your lower back. There, there's no scent. You put them right on your skin um, so they don't get hot and burn you like some of the other things. They're just made for it. They're just really, really nice. And especially when you're bow hunting, you don't have to have so many huge, big layers. Yeah. You can dress a lot less, and then you know you're safe because you have that in your pack. That's awesome. Dusty, What do you have something that I don't think I've ever asked you this. Is there something you have to bring in the woods with you? I want to say binoculars. Binoculars, okay. Yeah, I'm naked without them. That's it's, it's, it's that opportunity that that big buck is on the other end of a piece of property where maybe you can't hunt, and to get a glance at him may change your whole hunting strategy for the whole area and what you're after. Not not all big bucks make a trail camera, you know. That's very true. That's excellent. Yes, that's really funny. I've got these socks that I got to have just. The way we hunt in, in New Hampshire, a lot of the times we're tracking, we're moving, we're, we're covering a lot of ground. So, really, Jay, socks? Socks, swear to God. Now, <laughs> now, the, the, these socks, I know, you're, you're busting on me. Now, the socks that I got to have for years, I bought them from Cabela's, I think, and they were, the, I, always, I always hike in knee high rubber boots. Got to have them, mm-hmm. right? But I found out that if, I, if the socks are too thick, my feet get too hot. So, yeah, it might be really cold out, might be the, in, you know, walking through snow, but the socks have to be like super thin. And if they're even just a millimeter too thick, they're not going to work. And my feet get too hot and sweaty. So my, the socks that I wore for years, actually I've worn holes through them and I can't wear them anymore. <laughs> so I was searching around, searching around. I tried all these different hiking socks that you get down in like specialty hiking stores and nothing was working. So then my baseball season started and my son needed some baseball socks, the, the knee high ones. And I'm like, that's it. That's exactly the material. So ever since then, I've been using baseball socks to go hunt in. That's, that's the one thing I got to have. Do you have like different colors? Black. <laughs> All black. <laughs> the quirkiness of the hunter. You know, that's, that's what it is. It would have been funnier if you said you had different colors yeah. for different days of the week but Absolutely. we'll go with all black. i was i was like getting jazzed up that you're going to tell us that you had different colors well i have black and uh, i know there is an assortment there's green there's yellow there's blue you can get so i'm going to experiment with some other colors and see which color brings home the biggest bucks and i'll report back to you <laughs> after the next season i look forward to hearing you. <laughs> uh the last thing i'd like to ask you melissa before we let you go um and this is uh, something we like to ask everybody. Everybody, this is different for everybody too. What's that number one hunting tip that you would share with somebody? What's that one thing that you think makes that difference in a successful hunt over anything else? For me, the number one thing that makes a successful hunt over something else is being able to adapt on the plot. 
Um, again, you go to different states, you have different things happen. You may have someone come in and trespass on your property and you think the hunt is ruined, but it's learning to adapt. It's learning to use the things that happen to your advantage. Not everything is a huge negative. It may not have helped you instantly, but how can that help you in the future? And just keeping positive. And I think that's the, the number one thing that I believe makes for a successful hunt is, is staying positive and learning how to roll with the punches. Right. I would agree with that. That's a great one. Very cool. So tell us about where we can find you, Melissa, like online and uh, on TV and what kind of things you might have coming up in this season. Yeah, um, my show now is on 52 weeks a year, which is nice. So every single Sunday you can tune in to the Sportsman Channel. And my show is on at 11.30 Eastern Time in the morning, 11.30 a.m., Catch it every single week. I've got 26 new episodes a year, so I'm keeping really busy. The other thing, if you're looking for updates, go to melissabachman.com, and I try to keep things updated on there. And just a lot of different things going on. Right now, for example, everyone who goes online and goes to the store, to my online store for some of the apparel, I'm sending everyone a free DVD and signed picture for the whole month of June. So always different little promotions going on and just basically trying to keep people informed. And, and I love it when people write to me and tell me stories too. I try to write back to every single person who writes in. It may take a little while, but I try to get to every one of them. That's so cool. And you're on Facebook and Twitter, correct? Yes. Yes. Excellent. And I on could... Facebook, you can find it at Winchester Deadly Passion and Twitter is Melissa Bachman. Awesome. And I, I know I said I wouldn't bring this up again, but the, those anti-hunters, they actually have a whole page to the tune of 395,000 followers dedicated to making sure you don't hunt again. And that, <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> that really ticks me off. Do you think that they'd have yes. something better to do in their life than to bug somebody that's just enjoying life? You would sure think so. But you know what? I get to wake up every day knowing I'm making another 390,000 people mad by the way I'm living my life, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And, you know, and I don't know how many followers you have on Facebook, but we've got a decent following. So I think if we can all band together, and we can basically mm-hmm. just live our lives the way we want to do it. I sure hope so. Whether I have the numbers or not, that's what I intend to do. So. <laughs> cool. Excellent. That, that separates you apart from uh, a lot of other people that, you know, you stand proud and, and loud about what you believe in. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Uh, Dusty, any final questions for Melissa? No, I, I don't, Jay. I think we covered a lot with Melissa. And Melissa, thank you for joining us. Yes. Well, I sure appreciate having you guys having me on the show has been awesome and I really, really enjoy it and appreciate everything you guys do as well. Uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honor and I'll let you go get to the groceries. I'm sure you have to unpack, right? <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the big buck podcast. You know, when you have some a guest on the show, and you just she just she made me feel good just because she's that type of personality. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of the things where you leave a conversation like that, and you think, "Wow, you know, what what an experience to hear the stories and the, and feel the energy and, and and have all that positive pushed over your way a little bit." I and the stuff that she gets bombarded with. I mean, she's on the she's on the national spotlight. She's on the international spotlight for for anti hunters. Right, people yeah. don't like her, but that's okay though. I love her. She's great. Yeah, absolutely, she she's doing what she loves and and doing what she believes yeah. in. 
And what, what a great upraising with her mom and dad taking her yes. on. That's phenomenal. She's grounded. She's solid. She believes in herself. She believes in what she's doing. And I believe in her too. And God bless her because there are some people out there, some really bitter people that just don't want her around. So, you know what? I'm not going to say what, I want, what I'm thinking, but you know what I'm thinking. Right. Absolutely. You know, you, you don't have to say no more. It's just very sad that, that, that people would, you know, actually treat her the way that they do. And, and for one, they don't even know her. They don't. It's, all the, all, they're, all they're basing their opinions off of is, is some hunting trips and pictures right. that were posted. Right. And, you know, in my eyes, that's bull crap, and, and that, that shouldn't be the way the world goes. It's very but, clear that she's a quality individual and a nice person. Absolutely. You know, with a great uh, upraising and, and family family values and, you know, it, it just don't get no better than that, Jay. It doesn't. And it just, it, it gets me burning though. And like, it just aggravates me to my soul that there are people out there that just can't see that, you know, just drives me nuts. Yeah. It, it's, but, it's really silly. You know, that, that I don't know what else to say for it. You know, maybe it's an immature word, silly, but it's really silly that people you know, are doing that to her. It is. Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm going to get up and I'm going to hunt. I'm going to love my life for doing that. And anybody that's going to join me, my family, my kids, my friends, you, anybody that wants to be involved in this great adventure we're all part of on the Big Buck Nation, open arms. That's what Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I'm behind you and, and I know you're behind me. And we're going to push on as hunters together. Exactly. Spread this word that hunting is good, and it, it is only good, and it can't be anything but good. So that's what I'm going to do from now on. Absolutely. So thank you so much to Melissa for joining us and also clarifying that she's not any relation to Michelle Bachman. So that's good, too. Um, and not that Michelle is bad, but that's they're totally different people. Moving on, Dusty, do we have a Chubby Tines tip of the week? We do, you know. I'm gonna get personal here. Okay. If if you're a hunter and you believe in hunting and it's something that you love, stand your ground to be a hunter. Be loud and proud about what you believe in. That's my tip of the week. It's perfect. It goes ex- exactly with what we're talking about. Absolutely. I, I'm proud to say that that I'm a, a I'm free in the USA and I'm a hunter. It don't get no better than that. It doesn't. It is what it's all about. Great, great tip. Awesome, man. We do have a couple places uh, that you can you can pledge the, to the show if you're a listener and you like this show. Uh, we could use a little help, and you, we've opened up a pledge page, so you can pledge a dollar or whatever per show. And uh, if you'd like to do that, it's bigbuckregistry.com forward slash pledge. Or if you just like to straight donate to the cause, it's bigbuckregistry.com forward slash donate. Dusty, where can we find you when you're not on the microphone? Well, you, you can find one thing if you're a sponsor and you want to be a sponsor. you got a company, bigbuckregistry.com forward slash sponsor. You can email me at dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. You can check me out at www.facebook.com forward slash chubby gobbler. You can also check me out at, at www.facebook.com forward slash chubby times outdoors. And uh, get hooked up with me there if you feel that you would like to be more personable. I do have an Instagram, and that's ch- at Chasing Antler. And uh, I'm always down for having listeners to the show be a, a friend of mine. And we appreciate you tuning in with us. Jay, where can the people find you at when you're not on the mic? 
Uh, you can uh, shoot me an email, uh, j at bigbuckregistry.com. And you could find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. Speaking of Facebook, if you'd like to share a photo of a big buck that you shot and get it recognized by our 150,000 Big Buck Nation followers, you can send it to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck and you'll see all the instructions right there there's actually a video tutorial on how to send it in you can also visit us on twitter twitter is one of our favorite little places these days it's uh, bigbuckregistry.com forward slash twitter you can also find us on the outdoor podcast channel now and that is uh, uh outdoorpodcastchannel.com so i think that's basically everywhere that you can find us so oh if you would Please, if you are an Apple listener and you're listening to this on Apple right now, please, please, please leave us a review. If you're on an Apple device of any sort, click over and do a search for this show. And then when you find that, you'll see the reviews and click on the review and write us a review. Please leave us a five star if you would, if you like the show. And it'll help us maintain our rankings in the podcast directory. And that can be found at bigbuckregistry.com forward slash iTunes. All right, I think that's basically it, Dusty. Big buck, big buck everywhere. Uh. Big buck. Very nice. One of my favorite parts of the show. I'm Jay Scott. And I'm Dusty Phillips. And this is the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. See you next week. Can't wait. Can't wait.